Christopher Birch. He's done a lot, a lot of amazing things, over 70 companies, a lot you heard of, and I'll let him kind of tell you guys the rest. I'm excited to have Christopher Birch on today. The guy's done everything from real estate, fashion, internet. He's doing construction materials. I think he's going to have a wealth of knowledge and uh, some good nuggets for us. We got an empty chair. It's going to get filled by the Baron of Brands. Chris Birch has created more companies that you've heard of, that you haven't heard of. He's got quite a story. Uh, he likes to call himself human cocaine. That's the kind of energy this guy just vibrates. And so uh, you guys are in for a ride. The more you give, the more you'll get. No matter what you do, take 10% of your budget and gift it. By the time I was 23, I was making 10 million bucks a year. What is the most expensive gift you ever bought for a girl? We're now at the Birkin bag level. We keep going. The Birkin! Tell your parents, I don't need to make straight A's all the time. I need to suffer a little bit more. We've got the legendary Chris Birch. And we're, we've already learned a lot, even before the damn thing started rolling. Chris is a big brother, friend of mine. Uh, admire his business and just wanted to kind of like bring him on to share his story with everyone. And I'm excited to have you. Thanks, Thanks for coming. Mel. Great to great to be here. We just found out he's a hotelier. Uh, maybe start with that. Yeah, I'm like, I guess it's because I couldn't get into any hotels, and I always would be the guy in a restaurant where they put right by the bathroom. And when I came to New York, I'd be like, Why am I always by the bathroom? I had actually no power, as you said. But um, I was, I was at, I was in a like board place. I was married. I was like this. Life's got to be much better. And I flew to Argentina, and there was a guy down there named Alan Fain, and he goes, Chris, Chris, I love you. I want to create this hotel in Argentina, and I don't know if you guys know, not the best place to create a hotel. So Alan was in the fashion business. I was in the fashion business. And I met Alan, and he looks across, and he goes, Chris, this is the most beautiful place to build a hotel. He's got the Faena universe. I've got Philippe Stark. I've got this. I got that. And so I uh, put $2 million initially into building the Faena universe. And my brother and I built it with Alan, and we ended up you know, putting a lot of dough into it. And we built 3 million square feet. We built a universe of incredible things in Argentina. Anyone that goes to Argentina would love it. It was really exciting. We were just about to open it up and uh, – and the economy crashed. So that was my first foray into uh, hotel. We stayed there uh, yeah. New Year's one year. Our family stayed there New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. When, when it just opened. Yeah, yeah. the one in Argentina. Beautiful, when it, when right? it, was just it was amazing, yeah. And no one wanted to go over there because it was like the worst section. So I like to build where people don't want to go. And did uh, you do the one in Miami as well? I did not. I sold that to my great friend Len Blavatnik. Um, sold the whole company to him, and Len went on to build the fighting in Miami, and now they're going to expand all over the world. So it's it's awesome when you see a brand that you build continue on for life. Uh, up until you had done Fain in Argentina, was that your was that your first major hotel development? Yeah. Before that, it was fashion, all fashion. Retail. Yeah. yeah, that's what I really want to hear. Like, uh, you know, I know I know you very well, and I know how many brands you created. What did you do before fashion, and how the fuck did you—why did you pick fashion? 
I'm dumb as a post, okay? So I had the lowest board scores ever recorded, 350, 400. That is SATs. That is absolutely and that's the lowest not I've even ever a heard of. that's not even a joke. Um, I also had all D's and F and went to the worst prep school in America called <laughs> New Hampshire. I, maybe we can bleep that out because I give them some money. <laughs> I was a D student and I was a good enough athlete with skiing, tennis, and whatever to get into Ithaca College. And I started selling sweaters door to door on college campuses. And I was making a fortune and I was in Scotland and I said, I'm going to start an apparel company. So I started a company called Eagle's Eye when I was 21. Wow. I had no money. I had no reverse in my car. And I started going around to college kids all over the country and small specialty stores. My brother and I started and we got in the preppy craze back when Ralph Lauren, Tommy Hilfiger. And by the time I was 23, I was making 10 million bucks a year. What the well, we can blame you for some of that crap style that we all wore. All in that the 80s. preppy stuff and all the it was all women's. I didn't do dudes. Oh, thank God. What, what made you do all women? Because I realized that women really wanted to buy the clothes, and it was trying to get some action. If you want to know the truth, because <laughs> it was the best thing in the world is to sell door to door on college campuses. So, my first company is Eagle's Eye. We did preppy clothing, and I, I ran that for 20 years, and that became a pretty big business. I sold it to the Swire Group. You went to prep school, so you grew up kind of a rich kid? I would say I, my dad had me work in construction at 12, but I had the right education, but not a nickel. So he said to me, you know, I'd like to tell you about your trust fund, son. I said, I'd love to hear it. He goes, I trust that you're going to make your own income. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so did he help you start the business? He, he gave me a loan of $10,000, and that's all the money we ever needed. And that's all the money that I've ever really had to borrow um, in my life. So it was I was lucky, really lucky, had great people around me, and uh, – you know, grew up in Philadelphia where I didn't spend any of it on bottle service or any of that stuff and um, built a great company. And I'm, one of the proudest things I did was building that particular company. I'm sitting here and thinking, what the fuck did I do with my life so far? But <laughs> when was the moment, like, you realized your sweater business was actually taking off? Like, and it, it became like, wow. I mean, $10 million at 23 years old. I didn't even realize what it was. Wow. Because I grew up in Philadelphia, and my bros were all— We call that a Philadelphia billionaire. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and you know what's so weird? Like, it wasn't like I spent it. I didn't even really understand what it meant. So I think the moment—and these—you know, I, I think you ask a really great question, Mel, and that's why your energy is so good. It's like, it's that moment with momentum. And when do you hit that momentum? Well, the first thing was when I went out with my no reverse in my car— and I had a, a, a little briefcase, and I was selling to these specialty stores, and I got an order for $26,000. Wow. $26,000 in 1977 would be like $20 million today. And I was like, we're going to be rich. We're going to be rich. And then I think the second time was I put an ad in the back of Glamour magazine, 150 bucks, put a little monogram on it, personalized it. And I thought I got nothing, and I came back, and I had about $100,000 worth of orders, and I put them in my parents' uh, parents' th thing. I'm still living at home, and, and that was like the real momentum. And then I built a really good company over time, but we had time then, not like today. Yeah. Today, you got to move fast.
What do you think is the biggest difference with then and now, like starting a business or like, you know, achieving well, success with a business? Well, let's call spade a spade. 75% of college kids want to start a company. I don't think 75% of college kids have the balls to actually know what it's like to feel like you're looking over the edge and you feel like you're going to freak out and you, you got nothing. So I think today it's much easier. I think that there's technology that anyone can start a fashion company. I think you got things like Alibaba. So I think back then, I was the only one of my friends or anyone that started a company. You were told, don't start a company. And in, in the trajectory, what uh, brought you the decision to sell the company ultimately? How did that go? I had this kind of dream that I was going to take time off and fly around. The, it's a really great question, by the way. First time it's ever been asked me. And I was going to do skiing, tennis, and whatever. But then I had, when I sold it, I had four kids, young kids. And I was like, I can't just take off around the world. But I think it got, I've been doing it for 18 years. And I think it was time for me to move on. Became just more about like operation, sorry, operation, making the donuts, less about like creativity and, and kind of. I think it was like a lot of money on the table uh -huh. back then for me. We were making a lot of money and it was a lot of money. And I think it was a family business with my brother and I think it was the right time. We hired Goldman Sachs which was weird for such a small company. A guy named John Thornton, a genius. He was my but boss. I traveled, what was John like? He's I traveled to Argentina with him, and uh, we didn't stay in the Faena. I don't even know if the Faena was open back then. This would have been uh, 1999, 2000. Uh, he literally would travel with no suitcase and would just buy new shirts and throw them away at the hotels. I was like, that's the most arrogant thing I've ever seen. He would buy new shirts, throw them away, he'd keep one suit. He was like, Novo, this is the way to do it. <laughs> He's a great athlete too, right? He was an unbelievably smart guy. And, it, you know, I only, he was my mentor-ish for about a year, uh, maybe a year and a half, but I only have fun. He things moved all the way up though, right? He was the president of the, the company. Yeah. Uh, really uh, an amazing banker. He did one thing he told me once. He's like, I was taking over Latin America, and he wrote 25 names on the paper. He said, these are the only people you're allowed to speak to. And it was like the president of the country, the head of the biggest companies. He's like, no CFOs, no small CEOs. Your bankers can do that. And he would take the Goldman Sachs investment bankers in, in Europe when he ran it. They were not allowed to speak to a CFO, just CEOs. He was like, don't dilute your brand. And so he had these strategies of creating the sense of you know, competency and exclusivity that – that people then wanted to pay him a lot for. And so, smart guy. That's funny. So he sold your company. Sold my company. And then I went around. This is a great thing for entrepreneurs. I went around and I interviewed, just like you guys are doing here, I interviewed like 25 people. And I said, what am I going to do? I have enough money to retire. But I didn't have How you know, you big time? time money. I'm like 40 at the time. And I'm like, what do I do? You know, what do I do? So I, I went around and I interviewed everybody just with ideas. You know, do I start a fund. I didn't even know what a fund was or what do I do? And um, they all said, just invest in yourself. And I decided to invest in myself. And then I got really lucky. And I uh, met a guy named, I may, you know, Buck Buckley and Ken Fox. I don't know if you know Ken. And we decided to start a company called ICG, Internet Capital Group. And oh, I didn't I know said, you were ICG. So I, when I say... This is the I, – I met Buck. I said, Buck, 
No one even knows what a hedge fund's here. They think it's cutting hedges. I said, let's do something together. Bucks and I decided to do something together. He said, I got this young guy, Ken Fox, that wants to come along with us. The next thing I know, um, I put up a couple of million bucks. Buck put up a couple of million, but it's one of the best investments I ever made. I have nothing to do with the success of it, but it was knowing the instinct, knowing the guy, believing in Buck, and we picked the right space. I was really fortunate. I put the money in. It went up 100 times, and then I hedged my position. Wow, because that and was one of the great 99 you know, yeah, explosions. Yeah, it was so much money, and I'm like, oh, my God, I've never – I felt bad, right? It's like gambling. You feel bad if you don't. Welcome to crypto. <laughs> yeah. yeah, welcome to crypto, right? It was yeah. the same kind of thing, that little yeah. wild euphoria. Yeah. I didn't realize you were ICG. That's awesome. So what was your second brand? So then at Tory Burch, Voss Water, which was an amazing company, um, which I put up all the capital for because I liked the bottle. So I'd look at product like I'd look at humans. And then I really got good at reading people. Like Mel. You can't not like Mel. You just read him. He's, he's all out there. He's open. <laughs> I like that. So when, for Tory Burch, you were the investor behind it. No. So the real story is, is Tory and I got together. Um, great incredible person. We have an amazing relationship. She is one of the most talented, dynamic, thoughtful people I've ever met. I put Tori in the front. Tori was an incredible marketer, taste level. I'm a merchant. I understand design. I understand merchandise. I understand clothing. I did it for 20 years. She and I combined. I put her in the front. So I did the store design. I did all the sourcing. I flew over to China. We opened up a store, our first store together. The first day we sold every piece. Wow. It, every single piece. And Tori had the social thing. We started with $3 million. The total investment in the company was five. Um, the company today does about, you know, I don't want to say the numbers, but well over billions and is one of the most profitable companies in the world. Um, I got kicked out. Um, Tori and I got a divorce. It wasn't great. Um, um, I would say I'm fully responsible for the divorce. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like a man who takes I got fully responsible. I got three amazing kids that Mel's best friends with. Henry, Nick, and Sawyer out of the deal, but I got kicked out of my ass. <laughs> out of the house, out of the business. Oh, yeah. I got, thro I got thrown off the board. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't talent, brother. <laughs> How was it having a a wife who was the front of something, you're working your butt off, it's blowing up, and everyone's like, ah, oh, Tory Burch's company. You're like, me too, me too. It didn't, it didn't bother my while we were together and while I blew it up. When, at the end, when all the press came out and they said, oh, Tori did this, and she started, that, that was, that was kind of like, oh, man, like someone listened to me. But I've come to the conclusion I'm Mr. Tory Burch, so don't ever refer to me as Chris. <laughs> um, so, um, hey, she, I made you she made you famous. <laughs> uh, yeah, she made me famous. But I think in the real world, in the world of apparel and brands and all the new brands that I'm doing, I think people know that, you know, I have an unusual capability, which is I love the sourcing. I love buying cheap. Like right now I'm doing a building company. We're buying materials cheaper than anyone in the world. So if you want to buy your build your fast food restaurants, we can build them cheaper than anyone. We're building prefab housing. So I, my, my heart and soul lives in worldwide sourcing. And for me, it's easy for anyone to design a $2,000 dress, but try to make it for 10 bucks, mm -hmm. And that's what gets me going. So the sourcing 
between Tori's taste level, my merchandising skills, and the sourcing, we kind of pre-predicted a success, and that's what I like to do. How thick is your passport? Really thick. And, I, and I'm really bummed because they don't put extensions oh, on that anymore. That crazy. And so to me, nothing is a bigger ego thing than having a huge passport. Yeah. But I, they I, won't I, give you extensions anymore. No, you were too young for that era. You could have, you were like, like I, flipping I, I had one like this. Some people like trying to. How many countries you been to? I don't know. I've been to most everyone. I love it. I love, like, I feel secure in a in an airplane pod. I, I don't fly, I have a private, whatever. I like being on the plane. Man of the people. I, Man I, of the I, people. I see what they wear. I talk to everyone. I'm hanging out. I must be a lonely motherfucker. That's for sure. <laughs> You got to be a man of the people. <laughs> With the material sourcing business, what's the keys to that? Like, what are you thinking about? Like, Dude, this is, is the craziest story yeah. ever. So first thing I did is I went to China. I built a house like a Southampton house in a warehouse. And it was all shingles. And I'm like, this is insane. I was building a house in Southampton. And like, they're ripping us off. That didn't work out. Then I built container houses. And those container houses, I had it figured out. But I realized when I brought them over here, that selling them was a pain, individual sales. So we flipped. I met a guy, and now we're building 400 apartments in Boston for BOA, which is the city of Boston. We have found a way to build in a warehouse. We're putting on top of each building. While I've been doing that, my team and my partner is great, Niels. We're sourcing windows. We're sourcing every material in the world at 30% under related or anyone else. So if you want to buy a window, the supply chain is broken. But if you do it in Asia, you do it in Turkey, you do it around the world, you put it together in the U.S., just like apparel, Right. There's it's it's yeah. it's the most unbelievable opening I've ever right. seen. So, so using like the supply chain knowledge that you got from apparel, so to speak, and applying it to that industry, basically, and cutting out the it's really exciting. And yeah, so, we'll build a lot of like ground to, ground to up buildings. Amazing. So, you're wildly successful. Been successful your whole entire life. I have a question. What is the obsession with shopping at Costco? <laughs> that's a, because I'm a guy that gets when I'm depressed I shop there okay so when I you know I have a lot of ups and downs my life has not been I'm, I'm not like it's my personality okay I've divorced twice six crazy kids but my holy place is to go to Costco because the value is amazing I, I'm the guy that flies the helicopter into Costco to save money on the steak, okay? <laughs> you've, heard, you've heard Pennywise and Dollar Foolish. I, I love it. I think they're the best retailer in the world. I go in there. I now just bought a company that we're going to be selling to them, which I think is exciting. The value's there, and it, it makes me feel good. It's just like flying. I love, I love getting to know people. I find them fascinating. So from what I heard, he has like a— plaque in Costco and everybody knows he's coming. It's like <laughs> the king is here. The, the king, king is here. Costco's here. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Favorite countries? You've been to tons of them. Oh, Paris is. I have a house outside of Paris I love. Yeah. I just such a beautiful place that um, I think Mel's coming to my birthday. I'm 28. I look pretty good, I think. <laughs> Everyone goes, oh, you look so young. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> Got a problem with dating, a date from 20 to 70. I've got a lot of range. You know. um, um, 
Yeah, I love that. I love Asia. I love my resort in Indonesia. I, I have a resort called Nihi. It's called the Lost Island. A lot of your people or listeners will see it because we have wild horses that run down the beach and swim with you. They're so beautiful, the people, the energy, and the passion. So, And that brand, Nihi, you're going to expand. It's really exciting. It's going to be one of my biggest brands. And um, it's because we're offering to a high-end consumer a real experience, not bullshit, right? So we have foundation. Um, I support this island's the size of Massachusetts, one million people. They're farmers. They have nothing. They're, a lot of them are naked. They still spear people. It's it's called the Lost Island for a reason, and it's the most beautiful place in the world. And our clients and our customers love it, and we're going to try to bring that brand and that image around the world. Where else would you put it? We're going to Costa Rica. We're going to build 2,000 awesome. acres there. We're going to give the same environment. What part of Costa Rica? Right next to the Four Seasons. Yeah. You know where that is in Papagaya. Yeah, yeah. We're opening two more in Indonesia, one over the water. Uh, we are hopefully going to Saudi Arabia. We're working on a deal for Saudi Arabia out in the desert. Mm -hmm. But this is the opposite of the Four Seasons. Is the opposite of all those where we have a purpose. We really have foundations. I think we should do this in hotels in New York City. We should have schooling for kids so the clients can do it. We have adventure. We have tremendous activities where the best surfing, chocolate factories. I, I don't. We'll train rabbits if I have to, and we want people to really experience things that they've never experienced. Almost like a new coming of Amman in some ways. Yeah, Amman. Amman. Amman is a peaceful place. Yeah. So peaceful. Four Seasons a good place to die. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's just so peaceful. Yeah. It's so peaceful. It's too this peaceful. has more. We more have energy. peaceful. Look, we have. It's you know when you go to Hawaii and they dress up and they give you the old. Our culture is real. Mm -hmm. They still use water buffalo for trading for currency. So when you come to Nihi, you'll never experience anything like it, including Africa. And we want to bring that true cultural experience and that true giving uh, all over is the world. Is it a high-end price point or is it – Very high. Um, I want to build a, a second tier, but um, we have so much demand. So we're very high pricing, but our guests give back. Our guests are giving – are going in and working in the schools and stuff. So it's cool. Dave and I are invested in a brand called Habitas, Oliver Ripley's oh, yeah, brand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's same idea but yeah. a different price point. Yeah. Much different, uh, yeah. Yeah, much different. I love Indonesia. I lived in Asia for seven years. And Did so, you? Yeah, I used to. The people are so there. nice. Yeah. Just far. I've had a long history of dating. Do Asian they speak women. Bahasa? Is that the? Is it? it yeah. well, is it an yeah. island language? Yeah, and it's all Christian. It's all. It's a Christian island, mm -hmm. and they're they're really delightful. In February, they go on their horses with spears and spear each other, and so their blood can go on the fields. Um, they are just. Beautiful. They'll climb the coconut trees for you. Just like, what was the Bali High that dates me, that movie Bali High? It's really like that. So it's really cool. What was the times, like, have you had times where you completely thought you failed or was about to, or did fail? Like, if you had. So I've had so much pain, honestly, to be straightforward with you. I suffer from anxiety and depression. It's one of the things I care most about to help people. I've looked over the edge so many times of, of like, I'm going to fail. I'm useless. This business is not going to succeed. I grow myself a bigger pair of balls, but I've had real struggles paralyzed for wow. um, two years. When a high-speed ski accident, I got paralyzed. I've been 
tremendously depressed. I care deeply for humans empathetically. I try to help everyone I can with TMS or antidepressants or whatever I can. It's really part of what I believe is important. Have you gone down the psychedelic path for depression? I, I should. Okay, so I'm scared of... What people, when you've had depression, you're scared to alter the mind because you know how bad it feels. Every minute feels like an hour. On the business side, um, my biggest failure was a company called Sea Wonder. I'm going to bring back another version of that. So that was a real depression. Um, that was, I lost about 100 million bucks on it. Holy a lot shit. of money. Um, it was a concept that everyone loved and was doing well. But what happened was, there was a conflict of trademark. So that was really tough. That was kind of out of my control. And that was a big failure. But I have failures every day. And as I get older, um, I hopefully get a little bit smarter. Um, I hopefully don't ever think I'm smart. And I hope, I hope I keep trying, I keep striving to start new brands and do new things. But it's it's the most important question. For are you still people. interested in the retail apparel? Or you kind it, of love it. Still, so besides supply chain, I have chain, a brand called Stad. I met yeah. her. She did like four hundred thousand. Now does a hundred million. Mm-hmm. And um, I put the whole team in place. Sarah's a, a rock star, and about forty percent. So we come in, Solid and Stripes, a brand I'm turning around right now. Um, I uh, love the, the brand. Right? Daniel Guzio, great new brand. You took her from um, like something small to yeah. So I want to come in there and and I love working with these entrepreneurs, but I also want to start my own shit. It sounds like you're gonna work until you kiss the pearly gates. Sometimes <laughs> I feel like I need to kiss them right now. <laughs> but you just work drives you. You love the creativity, I think curiosity, and creativity. Uh. It's not money anymore, but it's it's like, why does God like? give such a dope an opportunity to actually be a good person and to do unbelievable things, and how can you pass that up? And um, I think to me, I've gone from being a learner to a learner and a teacher. Have you found that teaching and mentoring is like more important, takes up more of your time, gives more gra- – yeah, more grateful yeah. for that? Yeah. I could, good. good. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're trying to – like good thing about what you guys are doing, the podcasts, and so I'd like to warn people, you know, when they get ahead of themselves ego-wise. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you've had that. Oh, ever, for sure. <laughs> right? You're like you can't you can't ever think – It's M.O. What? <laughs> Six in Mike's M.O. No, he's like – I think when I think when we think we're smart, we know we're not. Look, I got up today, and I said, "I know you have a great body, Chris Birch, and I know you're handsome as hell, but you're going to go spinning." And I'm in the spinning class, and I haven't done it for ten years, and I'm f- working away, and I know I'm not doing as well as everyone else's spinning class. And all of a sudden, I'm like, "Man, you are a stud here, brother. You're seventy years old, and you can do it." Just puked myself to death. Actually had to leave the class, threw up, and I was, I was hitting the porcelain bowl, okay? Uh-huh. So even if it's athletically, I'm like, what a loser. What a loser. So I think it's really important to, one, keep your ego in place, to realize we're all just individuals, and take money off the table. That's my philosophy. We spoke about that on our last show. Like, uh, you know, people see, like, my Instagram or they Mike's Instagram or Dave's or yours or whatever it is they hear about us and kind of think that, man, like, 
everything these guys touch is like amazing and it's just been I'm like no being an entrepreneur is fucking throwing up is anxiety is stressful is failing 90 times and succeeding 10 times so I think that was one of the biggest reasons like I wanted to put together this show because I learned from Dave so much I learned from Mike so much I, I learned from you we've had powerful conversations and like just me being a kid it's from, so great if people all over the world could take this as their number one show because yeah. really the truth is great dave what do you i don't even know much about you you got a great way about you but what do you do i'm That's my, a great my, way. Core, <laughs> <laughs> my core business has always been real estate development so i've done apartments hotels mixes of the two and then from there got into investments in food and beverage hospitality yeah. technology crypto but he seems like Mike. he's a very balanced human is he's, he? he's the most balanced of the are three. you married I, or single i'm married and have three kids yeah and you're probably very happily married love your wife and then you meet people you meet people like me and i'm out yeah. of my fucking mind but by the way <laughs> fly with me on my magic carpet i can tell you if you're a lady you're gonna have a lot more fun but, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really I really appreciate people like you because it's yeah. just. What um, is the most expensive gift you ever bought for a girl? Ooh. Um, I bought. Ooh. Oh, so <laughs> let me put it this way: I started in Philadelphia cheap. Yeah. Started out with a keychain. <laughs> We're now at the Birkin bag level. We keep going. <laughs> the Birkin. Yeah. We're, we're doing. Guy we're Craig Drake. We, we, uh, yeah, I remember Craig. Really Craig Drake well. was the Philadelphia jeweler. Yeah, he was a girl. The first gift I ever gave my wife. Uh, I got these jewel, ju uh, these earrings, and I was so excited. And I'd never given any girl a gift better than a stuffed animal. Now I'm giving her these thousand dollar diamond earrings, and uh, she was kind of a rich girl from Philly. And I gave her the earrings, and she was like, "Oh." And I just was crushed. <laughs> I was like, Where did she grow up in Philly? She grew up, um, you know, in, in the city. Her parents were social workers. Uh, she went to Abington Friends yeah, and a few of the friends on the main line. And uh, I was like, God, that Craig Drake screwed me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it turned out later she went, oh, because she thought. I was going to propose to her. Oh. Not that she thought I had such horrible taste, but <laughs> I've always thought of that Craig Drake. <laughs> well, he was like the first guy that was taking the cheap Philly guys and getting to spend a little bit of money. So we, we met I don't know if they're still bed. around. I don't know if Craig Drake stills. in yeah, the I don't, He might not. He might, he might now you give a Craig Drake ring or you give a – they want tradable stuff. Like you got to give a Rolex a Birkin because it goes up 18% a year. I'm really a big believer in gifting. And, and one of the best things for entrepreneurs to do, and they don't understand, and I keep trying to explain this to everyone, um, when I was running Eagle's Eye, we had 3,000 accounts and our product sucked, so I sent flowers out to every woman on their birthday mm -hmm. in their color. These are small women specialty stores. My sales doubled. Wow. They'd never gotten flowers from anyone. And then I said, Chris and Bob Birch. So one of the best things you can tell entrepreneurs, gift the more you give, the more you'll get. No matter what you do, take 10% of your budget and gift it. And certain, in certain markets, you can't do it. But it's like treating your employees like you're running a fast food chain, right? We know how, how do you do a gifting program for them or how do you, you know, the more you give, the more you get. That could be the ounce of gold. <laughs> could the be the ounce, ounce of gold. gold. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people talk about struggle and it's, it's good yeah. to hear it. But that's an interesting one. I've never heard anyone say, also, hit them also, with the gifts. We live in a world for these entrepreneurs that Alibaba is the greatest resource in the world. 
Anyone can start any business anywhere because they, when I started out, or a lot of guys, you know, I'd go to the library. I'd take old Vogue magazines out and I'd rip out the sweaters and I'd go, I'm going to do a 1940, fly over Hong Kong on a shit-ass airline and sit in line. Now you have the ability to get product here in a minute. This is the most extraordinary time in the world to, like, use the resources of the world. But get your ass out of your chair. These kids, they don't want to go to, like, into, I'm going to, I just sent a team to Bangladesh. I'm rolling into Bangladesh. I'm going to Canton Fair. Get your ass in the factories. Just get your ass on an airplane in general. See countries, right? It makes you more tolerant, more open, perspective, all that. I'm at, 90, I'm at 92 countries, and my I'm kids want to take a holiday this summer, and they want to go to places I've already been. I'm like, oh, what about, what about? <laughs> I got to start, I got to yeah. start counting. Yeah. I got to start counting. There's I'm an app that. called Bintu. You pull it up on your phone, and it just goes country I gotta by country. I got to start doing it. I got to do it. It yeah. takes an hour one time, and then you're set. I got to do it, because I don't you, really know. What would you suggest for the kid like me from the inner city who has great ideas who has not a dollar in the world to do it, not a mentor, not a, a friend, not, you know, and if they do have, you know, like when I was getting into music at times, I would have to let my phone go off to pay for studio time, which was like some of the hardest times in the world for me. And everybody and Mel loves his phone. <laughs> I, I love my phone and my mom and everybody would tell me, hey, it's time to like, you know, maybe focus on something other than the music and. It wasn't from a bad place. It was just from they were seeing me struggle. I, I think everyone's available. Yeah. Okay. So come up with an innovative and disruptive idea. Never give the fuck up on that idea. Make sure it's commercial. Double test it. Triple test it. Try to think outside the box of yourself. Just because... Everyone says, oh, do what you like. Think about all the opportunities. Look around. Be, be cognizant. If you live in a, in a low-income place and you see older people and they need a different kind of wheelchair, think about building a wheelchair. Go on Alibaba and do it. And then to get the financing, write those emotional letters. Everyone can write a letter. I am available. I get like a 1,000 emails. I have not seen one creative letter of a way in which would twerk me that – Think about writing creative letters. You got a problem. You want to write, write to the board of directors of a, of a company and go, I know you're a board, member of this board. I would like to meet with someone. Constantly reach out with a written word. You don't need any money. You don't need anyone. And one of those guys on a weekend do it. Send those emails out. Boom, boom, boom. Don't be afraid to call up. Get in front of a person. America is the only place in the world where everyone's available to give an investment to someone. The right kid can get through somehow. He's going to get an investment. So I yeah. think it's it's really right. Four really yeah. powerful words. I need your help. You know I what, need yeah. your help. And you know what's crazy? Remember Castro, the guy at my thing? I used to, before I got into music and was trying to get into music, I used to look up all the executives and send them emails like, hey, I'm Mel, and I uh, had a party recently, and one of the guys who work for me now worked at Def Jam at the time, and he read an email from 13 years ago where I sent him saying, hey, I'm Mel. So, yeah, that's actually a great idea, and I, I, I actually did do that, and it, it worked. Or send a gift. What about, what about how do you—doesn't have to be an expensive gift. It can be like something— 
It can be anything. Yeah. Even writing a letter. And I, I you're you're kind of going writing here. Personal yeah. letters. Personal even letter. I, I had once made my New, Year, New Year's resolution that every week I was going to write somebody a personal letter. And I pretty much kept with it for that year. And the amount of people that just would call me up and say, oh, my God, I can't believe you thought of me in this way, versus an email, it just carries so much weight. So, uh, you so know. I had my 70th birthday party. So I sent an invitation out. And then it's time for a typical invitation. I went and I built a trunk, a small trunk. I got it on Alibaba. I paid $9. It looks like a $200 trunk. So look at the size of that Bojangles box. I made that a hard trunk that looks like a Louis Vuitton or a Gorier trunk. I put my invitation in. I sent 200 out. Wow. I got it in six weeks. Wow. That box. Alibaba is the other nugget of gold right here. Ounce of gold. Alibaba is amazing. Yeah. The stuff you can buy on Alibaba whether you want to buy a boat or whether you want to buy that, I bought a giraffe on Alibaba. Okay, <laughs> I have in my house, <laughs> I have a robotic giraffe, giraffe oh. that you cannot tell is a real giraffe, <laughs> and it's sitting in a fourteen-foot thing. It comes down. To Wait, where's that it's giraffe? At. It's in. It's going to be in water. It's in watermill right now. You can go see. It's got a tail that moves. It's amazing because I went to the Canton Fair. I saw all these crazy animals. I said, I'm going to put an animal. I'm going to scare the shit out of everyone. They're going to come into my house. They'll think I have a giraffe. And guess what? They'll never forget the giraffe. They'll never forget the box. These are the things you need to do. How do you create stuff they never forget? Mm -hmm. You're on TV. How do you create dialogue they never forget? Damn, I'm impressed. Your mind just fucking goes and goes and goes. Well, what else the hell am I going to do? I'll be in a crazy place. I'll be with like fucking cookaboos. If <laughs> How I many come to the party in Paris? Parties at my house outside of Paris. Nice. When? You coming? You, know, I, I, you got to get the invite, the box. Yeah, we got to get the <laughs> I'll box. Send, I'll, send you, I'll, I'll send you guys all the box. We can go to Paris for two days. Why not? Why Life's not? all about having fun. We have a dungeon, which is really fun. <laughs> And um, we also have, it'll be a nice party. But more importantly, it's not about the party. It's about celebrating your friends and old friends. Because look at you guys. What a great group. I want to be part of this group. We love you are part of this group. We love, we love I love this. Yeah. Yeah, first game, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first How are we going we we to market this so everyone in the world gets it? That's the other thing we got to figure That's out. That's Mel's genius. Mel, we got to get everyone in the world listening to this shit. That's we have, Will. We gotta, Will, we got to have the best dialogue in the world. Well, the good thing is. Maybe we give them free product away if they listen to us. The good thing is a lot of people saw the first one and everyone is kind of blown away. And I, with Who you was the here. first one? <laughs> Mel showed it to us. Mom, it was just sister, us. brothers. <laughs> no, Revolt TV so, saw hey, it. Amir, you hear this? I'm their first guest. He is our first guest. They could guest. have gone with someone more uh, stable. <laughs> we went we'll with... Die right in the deep end. Somebody mm -hmm. amazing. And, um, you know, like, I'm, I'm excited you're here, honestly. And I think, you know... Mike realized there's somebody who did more companies than him out there now. He's like, oh, <laughs> do you ever get to the point where people think you're so crazy? I like, I'm, I just started, I'm oh, starting day. a new fast food chain, which you guys all should see down in called Green Lane, which is 895, 995, 795 drive through salads, okay? And I can't announce I got a partnership with a really cool guy, but we just opened, it'll be grand opening in two weeks. You guys know a lot about the fast food world, so we're going to see if it works out. But it's so exciting when you start something. But I don't know about you, but I want to start new things when I get the permission that the one was successful, right? You can't really start till the one's successful. Right. Do you guys like starting companies from scratch? You know, I, I've been a finance guy, and most of my skill has kind of just seen the future. 
And so it's betting on big macro trends. Uh, I love being associated with companies that get started. Uh, and so I've started, I've, I've helped start and started kind of big finance companies. It's a little different than, you know, Bojangles or, you know, we, I'm part of a company called Hardhouse. And so you're willing a new, you know, food brand to it, but you're not really doing the work, right? There's a CEO. Yeah. And so I'm not a, I'm not a serial entrepreneur, but I have a huge respect for the serial entrepreneurs. How about you? You like it? Yeah. I, well, real estate development also by its so definition is so many projects, so much, uh, you know, uh, entrepreneurism and, and, and starting. But uh, I like to start companies as well. And um, Catch was from the start, yeah, right? Yeah, Catch. But but really also like to your point. Oh, like, did you do Catch? Yeah. Well, invested with Mark and Eugene off, the, off the get-go and had been a partner in that uh, the whole time. Um, standard hotels. Wow. Right. So, uh, but I, I like to... Um, Habitas with Oliver. You know, right. I like to find guys also that are like, Me too. like young and hungry and have a great idea and can execute and and really be a part of that as well. So I consider that starting it. But by the way, I'm with you. I'm the same way. Yeah. So like, you know, Simon and Coat. Uh, Coat. Have you been to Coat? Oh, was there last night? oh, yeah, oh yeah, 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 of course. Two nights sure, sure, sure. Were you there last yeah. night? Yeah. Yeah. The night before. I don't know him, but I know. The I've restaurant. gone out after that guy. I met him. And he's a genius. Uh I can just tell you. And my partner in my hotels is a genius. You find these people. I have so many geniuses. You find them. And I met him at Coat, and he's opening two more restaurants here. He's very loyal to his partners, so I'll probably have to do it. But I'll build a chain of hotels around him because he's got that special Mm -hmm. sauce. Yeah, he does. You talk to him, and he loves his customer. He's got a passion. He's got a brain power. He's ethical. He's, He's amazing. And that... When you meet them, that's the man there. F- fucking Has cool. Has New York been your base? I'm now in Miami, but um, I grew up outside of Philadelphia. So really, my entrepreneurial career, New York's a great place to meet people and to do things. And Miami's great, but it doesn't have the same soul. Yeah. And um, here's a here's a stat for you guys. Everyone keeps talking about Miami. I love Miami, but. Miami total real estate under construction is smaller than one building in Hudson Yards. Is that true? Everyone keeps saying, oh, everyone's going to move to Miami, right? Uh, it's 8 million square feet uh, versus – I'm sorry, 500,000 square feet versus 8 million in New York. office though? Office building. Just yeah. office, yeah. Yeah. That's hard to believe. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm Googling it for you. That's hard to believe. That's amazing. Yeah. Here's, a, here's a two fun questions we always ask. Well, yeah, our first guess. We asked each other. If you was the more serious question, and it could be fun, is uh, if you was president for a day, what would you do? Wow. One law. What kind of law? Don't have to be one law. It, whatever. What, what would you do for that 24 hours as president of the United States of America? Uh because I think you're president of Nihi, right? I'd be, I'd be a terrible president. <laughs> I'm pretty good at I guarantee you. I could, I'd probably be canceled before I got started. <laughs> um, look, I got a thing on mental health. Okay. So I would, I, would, I, would, I would really, like, bring together all the people and and try to like help all like if I am one day could help all people's mental pain make me the happiest guy in the world I and love that one thing that I would do the one thing would only reason I'd want to be more successful is because I would have the opportunity to help more people and um, 
it's hard to tell story. It's a storytelling problem. It's really easy to tell stories about a hotel. It's easy to tell story, but um, that would be that would be just would would make me so damn excited. And then the next question. This is Mel's favorite question. Drum roll. <laughs> if you was a superhero, what would your superhero name be and what would your powers be and why? <laughs> and we want the most honest answer. My superpower um, would be to something that I think is my number one quality now. And I'd like to make it exaggerated. I'd love to be able to hear what everyone thinks. I'd love it more than anything. I'd love to be the whisper, the human whisper. I would whisper. love. Whisper. I would love to walk in a room and hear people saying, "You're full of shit," or "You're a great guy," or "You're this," or "That person's that." So the whisper. Oh, that's the best answer. Is got my so far. superpower. Well, well, Mike stole Thor. He, <laughs> what's yours, Mike? He, I, I was Thor he doesn't have hair. one. Where you're, where you're bald for most of your life, you want to be Thor. He just got good hair. <laughs> Chris has good That's hair. That's a great answer. Chris does. He's got That's a little a Thor answer. I got, but I got, I got the transplant. Background? What? Your heritage, ancestry. I kind of mutt out of out of England and whatever. Kind of a wasp tied to a Catholic, tied to a. French, nothing. I wanted to be a Jew. I love Jews. I, it's one of the worst things that ever happened to me, not being Jewish. They're better parents. I, I married a Jew in Tory, but I, you know, I would, I would love to be Jewish, but it didn't happen. My daughter and two nieces all got engaged within four months. Big Catholic family. We were like, wait a minute. Jew? Jew and Jew. They are married Jews. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can't have your daughters? My daughter and two of my nieces. Oh, well. So we're pretty excited. Tell me what you guys let's let's think about something else. What do you think how we can help young entrepreneurs to be more successful and not make the mistakes that we've all made? And 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 how do we how do we get them to be able to see what they want and not make the mistakes? I think honestly for me and I'm still a young entrepreneur still coming up, still finding my way, doing well, still want to do better. I think the mistakes has to happen. I think they have, for me, I had to make the thousand mistakes to end up where I am. And I still feel like I have to make a ton of more mistakes. I don't want entrepreneurs not to make those mistakes. Like my daughter, like I want her to make those mistakes to learn from it. So that's my take on it. Yeah. I, I really think grit and resilience is something to teach. I feel like we, we all talked about it here today, but there's so many failures. There's so many nights when you just are, you know, like, okay, what's, you know, have, have that feeling, right, of like anxiety or desperation and, and really learning to push through that and understanding that it's not, you look at us now, all of us, and it seems like it just kind of happened, but there's just so much like, determination that goes into that. Go on. Mine would be proximity. So a lot of people only see what they see. 100%. And so when you put someone close to other people that are successful or doing things, like, wait a minute. If that guy can do it, why can't I do it? Yeah. Or that guy's waking up at 6 and staying in the office till 10. How do I think I'm going to succeed by doing 9 to 5 and 2-hour lunches? And so a lot of people aren't lucky enough or aren't savvy enough to find themselves close to other people. Do you think people. you're born that way? Do you think it's genetic? You know. Do you think you're born with tenacity? I think I, so. I, 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 I think you can somewhere young you find it. You can train toughness. I don't know if that means tenacity because like we, we do a, we were both wrestlers and spent oh, wow. a lot of time in 
setting up youth wrestling programs. And, you know, the wrestling education creates toughness and it creates toughness through discipline. And that toughness gets you tenacity. Do you know Joe DeSena? He's a great guy. I love guy. Joe DeSena. Me too. He, he helped my kids. I mean, he, he's a great person. In fact, the first Joe's, the first Spartan race was actually called Joe's to Novos. Yeah. And it was a bunch of us what hacks a, what going a, from what one, a, his coming, house to my house. He's coming down. So you, he's a great guy. We Joe. should get him on the podcast. He's a great person. <laughs> he's a fucking lunatic. I love him. Well, he walks around with a bell. <laughs> what do you mean a bell? I'm not exaggerating. He walks around with one of those kettlebells. He just, Wait, what? He just he stays walks strong. all the way to parties and to, like to from How big is this kettlebell? Like 25 pounds. He walks <laughs> everywhere with it. This guy did uh, you know the I did the I did a rod when they the, 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 yeah. the, the he ran the race, not with the dogs, called the I did a race. So he, I have nut. some questions here and it's from it uh he said to say it's from your favorite son, Henry Birch. <laughs> And he said to ask you, he wants you to tell us about your Harvard speech. What? what? Uh -oh. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so first of all, real quick on one thing I told my sons, Henry Nickensor, who's your best friend? Rejection. <laughs> they took it different than I meant for business. They did it with women. So they at 14 years old were going out and picking up 25-year-old woman. They get rejected. They go right back in and do it again. <laughs> so I went to speak at Harvard. And the class was half full. And like Chris Birch, who wants to hear from him? Oh, Tori Birch is ex-husband. But by the end of the class, it was full. And the reason was because I was talking on intuition and reading people. So I get to the class and I pass out um, reading material. And then I take 10 people to stand up. And I go, let me tell you about yourself, where you're from, what you do, how you do it, and where you're going to be, what your direction is. Oh, yeah, I heard you and could do I'll that really well. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll tell you, that's why I want to be the whisperer. And then they asked me to come back to speak to all the graduates in New York City. And so I have Betty Lou from Bloomberg interview me. I take my report card out, which is F's and D's, 350, 400 on my college board, very proud of. I put it on the desk. I mean, I put it on the chairs of these 250 people. Of course, they think I'm lying. They think I'm joking about it. And then at the end of the speech, I get up and I pick 10 people out again. The next day, I'm at um, Tao, and a woman knocks, taps you on the shore, Mr. Birch. I go, yeah. I'm like, whoa, nice. <laughs> and she goes, I said, just call me Chris, please. And she goes, you see, you told me all about my father and my mother and where I was going to go. And I followed your thing, and I came down, and you picked me out again. And I, you picked me out again and told me what I need to do. And the way I do it is something I think people can train. And I think it's about being fully aware. And it's being aware of what you say and the way you react, and then trusting your judgment on those reactions, watching their eyes. So one thing I may do is go, your mother grew up here or your father grew up here. And they'll go like this and I'll go, your father, use a little of the Jimmy Stewart three-beat stutter. And then what I'll do is I'll watch the people that are optimistic in the audience. I'm watching them. And when their eyes go blank, I know they disagree. So if I say maths is my least favorite subject and it doesn't do you any good in life, their eyes will go blank. So when I pick them out, I'll go, you, you disagreed with me. You see, you think math is one of the most extraordinary 
subjects in the world. You actually calculate everything in your life, and that calculation's hurting you. I don't know anything. I'm just watching their eyes. Wow. I'm picking out. And I think that ability to walk down the street and be aware of everyone around you is a really big reason to success. That's why Mel has such good EQ skills, just met you. It's that ability to watch people and be able to, to work with them. The whisper. The, the whisper. whisper. That, might, that might be our Hall of Fame. We have, uh, if you had an ounce of goal and knowledge to leave for listeners and kids and, and, and whether it's rich, poor, black, white, whatever kids, Jewish kids that just have a dream, what would be an ounce of gold to give them? I mean, you gave so yeah, many he, already. He but if two, you, there are two good ounces. He, he has there. a bunch of them. <laughs> uh, maybe you have one more to wrap it up with, or maybe you don't. I wet my bed till I was 18. I'm the no longest bedwetter in the history of <laughs> mankind. I was a counselor in all-girls camp, still wet my bed. <laughs> I, was, I was totally made fun of and, and, and bullied and everything else. My parents, I was jumped by my brother. He went to the first, third grade. I was in the second. My ounce of goods is when you're a young kid and people are making you feel like shit and you feel really, really bad, realize that people like me that are totally and absolutely not that bright and struggle can make it. And that's the true genius in life is the people that aren't perfect, the people that aren't the straight-A students, the people that other kids pick on, the people that other kids, they make fun of. And you may be picking your nose in the corner or you may be eating too much or you may be the fat kid or you may be the geek or you may be the other thing. Brother, that's what makes perfection because life is giving you the test early. I love so that. So tell your parents – I don't need to make straight A's all the time. I need to suffer a little bit more. And that's the key of all the things is for Wisdom. those young guys. That's an ounce of fucking gold. Ounce of gold. And now Dave is going to give. We were ahead on the gift idea. I'm going to give my ounce of gold. So we've, we've decided that everybody that gives us an ounce of gold, we give them an ounce of gold back. Um, I hope it's I'd, chocolate in here. Is no, this real gold? That's real, that's real gold. gold. That's real gold. Oh, man. And I think and, uh, it's a bullish gold. And, Gold's going up, baby. Thank you, brother. <laughs> it's kind of been my What's thing. What's an ounce of gold worth? 2000 1999 Brother! <laughs> I'm rich. <laughs> I am I'm going to put it around my neck. This podcast is going to go bust, but we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> Dude, I love it. That's for your birthday. That's for coming on here, and that's for giving what an a, ounce of gold. What a great gold. afternoon, guys. I love it. It's yeah. so much fun. I hope I come back again. I'm, I'm desperate for more attention. Anytime you want. You're part of the crew. Thank, thank, thank you. Thanks, yeah, guys. thank you. Thank you. And uh, just so everybody, for the record, everybody know we're uh, we're taking Mike's debt to Christopher's party. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get out of it. Oh.